Welcome to the B-Sides and Beers podcast. Hey, all right. Welcome to B-Sides and Beers podcast episode seven. Uh, today we'll be talking about Deftones Adrenaline, their debut album from 1995. Yes. All right. Well, let's start off once again, uh, our usual manner. What are we drinking tonight? I, I'll start. start. <laughs> I have a stout. You will stout, yes. I'll start. <laughs> Uh, I've been excited about this. I've been waiting for this one to crack this one all day. This is um, a stout from a brewery called El Savage in Victoria. So um, apparently it's just like a regular stout, but aged on um, coffee beans. Cool. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the, it's another Victoria company. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's aged on coffee beans, so it should be good. Let's give it a crack. crack. Uh, perhaps this this is the. Uh, are you talking about Phillips Brewing Company out of Victoria? They're good too. Okay, well that's what I'm drinking tonight. I'm drinking the uh, Glitter Bomb. Ooh, nice. The uh, Hazy Pale Ale glitter bomb um and it says this hazy pale ale explodes with lush citrus and juicy fruit (laughs) notes that will sparkle across your palate pairs well with disco naps and scooby snacks (laughs) nice i'm really into pale ales these days they're delicious awesome smells good What you got, Mike? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tonight we have some Innocent Innocent Gun. Well, there you haven't go. had... Oh, I love yeah, Innocent haven't Gun. haven't had in a while. Bourbon Barrel Scotch Ale. You know it's expensive when they just sell a single beer in yeah. a box. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. big time. And to open it, I have the coolest... Most kick-ass bottle opener ever. Years back, my wife, my amazing wife, she uh, surprised me with a gift of a bottle opener in the shape of Lemmy. Nice. (laughs) I was like, Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) Almost. Pretty damn close. (laughs) Lemmy is God. Yep. (laughs) There you go. So, yeah, pretty kick-ass. Awesome. Jesus opened my beer. beer. Cheers, boys. (laughs) Hey, same to you. Absolutely. Cool. cool. So where do we want to start with this one here? A little bit of info, a little bit of first impressions. Uh, Didn't really have a huge reason, any any crazy background for for why I picked this one, but... uh, it's just a, a hugely influence, influential album to me in, I guess, well, 95, so what, 14 kind of thing. So 14, 15, just getting into, I guess, 15 for high school. Uh, the first 
first time I came across this album or anything with Deftones was was through Much Music once again. Um, I think it was it was either Bored or Seven Words. I think was the the music video that I heard first, and this came out in it was October third. 95 so i think i got it probably spring with you know uh, january february kind of deal of of the following year and it was just such a huge album for me so and this is in your top 10 mike it's it's i i would think it's a top 10 for me yeah um yeah i I came into Deftones um, on the next around album, the actually. Yep. I was around the fur. Yeah, I didn't know this this album. I went backwards on it uh, mm-hmm. later, even after, I think, White Pony. I, I listened to White Pony, and then I went back, and I listened to the, this album. And, <clears throat> like, it, um, I think, like, at the beginning of it, maybe I kind of wrote it off because it was, it felt like, it came at that time of like all that new metal that like I wasn't interested right. in. Like I wasn't into Papa Roach. I wasn't into, you know, any of that kind of stuff, you know, like I, I the only ones I could listen to, I guess, were corn and I could listen to Limp Biscuit on a certain right. day. I'm just thinking of that kind of genre around that yep. time. Right. But yeah. So I think I kind of wrote it off as like right. more of it. You know what I mean? And then I went back and I listened to it and I'm like, okay, this right. is different. Like this is, you know, but then again, like this term of new metal is mm-hmm. so like, you it's, know, it's just subjective. like grunge. <laughs> what is, what yeah. does it mean? Yeah. Like we talked exactly. about it before. Well, yeah. the, the thing with that is, you know, corn and Deftones were probably the first two to come out in that prior to the, the, the naming of that genre and then the other other bands you were talking about were the next wave of that so and i i wholeheartedly agree with yeah. you in the disinterest in the you know the second wave of it but with corn and deftones and even lip biscuit to a to to a point uh i just like the the raw sort of brutal production with them from from ross robinson and uh that kind of a thing. So, yeah, I always think of Tool to be like one of the originators of this new metal genre. Well, because they were around. They were um, Undertow was quite a popular album. Yeah, back in like ninety two. When did that one I come think, out? Ninety one, ninety two, ninety ninety two. Because there, no, yeah, o- I think OP eight came out in ninety one. OP eight yeah. came out then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I always think of them as like, you know, when you think of new metal and especially like um, stuff that wasn't necessarily rap rock mm-hmm. new metal, but like new metal that was progressive, not like punk rock, but not like, right. you know, metal metal, but like more melodic, different sounds, tons of layering. Yeah. Like, well, Tool was definitely on like, their own their own path. There was really nobody at the time that even sounded like them. So, and yeah. that's, that's, that's yeah. what I really dug about Deftones was at the time there was nobody that sounded like them. Even, even exactly. you know, Corn was super new, but they had their own thing. Yes. There was the, the, 
the hip hop influence and the, you know, the, the hip hop drums and, and, uh, that kind of, a the, the detuned guitars and whatnot, but they were still, they still had their own thing. So, and, uh, where, where Korn had their, their set, you know, two guitars, guitar players playing seven string, uh, Stefan was, was standard tuning six string and he still got these, these really kick-ass riffs out of it. So. Yeah, for sure. I think when I, like this album was just a complete flashback to high yep. school. It's like, I think for me, Deftones is one of those bands that like I'm really into, or I don't even think about for years. Right. And I listened to this album and it was like going back to grade, whatever, 10 again. Yep. And the great thing about Deftones back then, I think for me, I remember thinking that they were so cool yep. because they had this sort of like skate rock definitely kind of image to yep. them. Like they had a purpose and they had like a legit image and all that stuff you think is important when you're a teenager. Yep. At and I think like, yeah, it was just something about them was cool. If you listen to Deftones, then you were like didn't have to say anything you were just cool right and that that's exactly where they came <laughs> that's exactly where they came from uh you know they they all well uh chino steph and abe the drummer met in high school and it was all through skateboarding for the most part so um i don't like i don't want to you know unload on this album because i i you know I don't oh wanna, come on unload i know you i know yeah. you like it so I don't want to step on it, but like, I think of this album like um, it's kind of like the Pablo Honey, or it's like the, you know, the first album that's like it's super raw, and I yep. like it for that. But it feels like when we go to Around the Fur and we go to mm-hmm. White Pony, those feel like so much like better, like leaps and bounds. It feels like if they're starting out and they're really like rough, I feels like in this. And again, there's there's a certain mm-hmm. allure to that. But um, if you if you sat down and gave me Deftones and said you got to pick one album, I'd probably pick White Pony. And most and people do because that's kind of where they they launched into the mainstream. It's kind of like uh, Black Album for Metallica, yeah. right? So, but the yeah. But I don't know. I but around the fur is good too. Like I really like yeah. that album. Like that's probably my second one. But yeah, I don't know. I just I because I listened to it again and I'm kind of like Dane. It, it all came back like to like mm-hmm. 97, 98 kind of yep. for me, right? And then yeah, and then I listened to it again and I was like, yeah, like it's okay, like right. it's good. But I like these ones better. Well, the so the the production was definitely a, a step up from from uh, Adrenaline to Around the Fur. Uh, the, the yeah and it, why like that's the thing like i looked at these two like okay so you said ross robinson well Ro- ross there, robinson and the other guy Terry Ro- ross robinson actually only did one song for uh uh it, it was one song on adrenaline the the very last song and uh i didn't think that was the strongest one but they've got uh what was his name it's terry date that did the production terry date yeah i got he had he added a ton, man. Like yeah. he did Bad Motorfinger, he did yeah. Cowboys from Hell, he did Astro Creep two thousand. Like, let me stop you right there, Mike, because I was thinking about this and like, yeah, okay. So um, I was trying to figure out because I totally agree with you. Like, there's a huge step in production from Adrenaline to Around the Fur, and like Around the Fur 
um, for me reminds me of the matrix. And I think that song was on that movie and, and everyone who sort of got on board with Deftones then, but the, the album, I was listening to it, you know, again, because of this podcast. And to me, it sounds a bit tinny and it doesn't, the tone doesn't work. And then I was checking out Terry date and he produced Pantera. And when you think about Pantera, they have this very tinny metal sharp sound to them, which works, but it doesn't necessarily work with, um, with Chino's. Well, maybe it does work with Chino's vocals. It's just different. It's kind of an odd, uh, tone, but you hear it with other bands like right. Pantera. So, um, well, it's, it's funny because that's, they, they chose Terry date because they loved the, uh, vulgar display of power album. And he did, that was the one that he just kind of came off of huge album and, mm -hmm. uh, huge, but, uh, they, they, they said they went into the, the studio. They wanted him because he did that album. They love that sound, but they didn't want him to do that sound once they got into the, into the, into the deal or into the studio there. And, uh, how Terry date approached it is more of a live off the floor type deal. So nobody was, nobody was, um, separated for the most part. And even, even Chino for his, his vocals, he was, he, he just had a, a regular SM57 mic, a sure SM57, and he had a floor monitor in front of him, which is, you know, not the way to record an album, uh, you know, in, in the mainstream of things. But the, the biggest thing is he just wanted to catch the, they, they wanted to capture the live performance and the energy and the raw and the, you, you know, the not perfection to it. And that's one thing that I really like about it is how, how stripped down and how exactly in the moment it was, right? And the, and and once again, it's kind of a time capsule too, because they were always they they were, you know, barely twenty. Yeah. When they you know they they were barely twenty when they recorded these, and to come up with an album like that at that time, and you know the the songs, all the songs are solid. Um. And that, that was one thing about every Deftones album after this. It, for for me, I like the the higher energy, heavier side of things. And it, it, it seemed like everything after Around the Fur just kind of got a little a little more melodic and soft. And, you know, they, they would have sections where it was huge, heavy riffs. And then it would just be super melodic and kind of sleepy at parts, kind of Depeche Mode or... You know that that sort of that kind of thing, a little bit of shoegaze influence to it, or um, yeah. So that's kind of where I was at with that. I, I just I love the raw energy of it. So, what does shoegaze mean? Shoegaze are uh, it's a style of music where the guitar players use a lot of ambient effects. Gotcha. And uh, pretty well the their stage presence is kind of standing there looking down at their shoes. So they kind of called it shoegaze. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Tons of reverbs and delays and atmospheric stuff. Exactly. Right. So, but, uh, stepping from, stepping from this album to around the fur. Yes. The production, even, even though it was the same producer, they, decided to go in a 
little more professional studio style than than a live off the floor energy so that's kind of where everything changed yeah yeah but you know it's you you bring up a good point Dan, because it's when you think about the other things that he's produced it kind of falls in line with that sound right mm-hmm. like it it makes sense right um but yeah on Soundgarden, louder uh louder than love yeah, like yeah, he did uh, Bad Motor Finger, like he did a ton. Like there's a whole yeah, bunch of solid Mother Love albums. Bone Apple. Yeah. Uh Astro Creep two thousand. Yeah. So uh you know what's funny about the cover? I didn't know what the cover what the hell was on the cover until I had kids. Oh yeah. Yeah, literally, man. I had no idea what that was. I thought it was like a sex toy. <laughs> when I was a, when I was a teenager, I thought that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. well, maybe I'll find out one day what that <laughs> is. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't. I didn't know what it was, and I well, then I saw it, and I'm like, uh, is that this? Is that what that is? Oh, okay. Yep. I, I still I couldn't find or figure out why they picked a baby aspir- uh, aspirator for it. I, I didn't find it either. I, I was like, I no. don't I don't know why, but yeah. It's a strange album cover <laughs> choice when there's I don't know. Yeah. I always thought it was some sort of organic sea creature. <laughs> some weird like shell. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. That's <laughs> <laughs> Did you know what it was, Mike? Mm-mm. Yeah. No, I didn't for for quite some time. I mean, why would you have a point of reference to that if you don't have kids, right? Yeah, and if there's nothing on the internet that tells you what it is either, it's like yeah, you can't use the word to search it out if you don't know the word. So yeah, yeah, I do like the the, the a lot of the vocal though on that on this album. Like I do like the like the soft when he goes down to the like to the soft and the calm and then goes to like the yep. raw scream like I, the contrast of it yeah yeah that sounds cool i really like that part of this album so mm-hmm. that was that was good but yeah i just feels like you know not that it's bad but i just think they take the next step in around the fur i think that it's like Definitely. you know and that's a lot of bands too right like i'm sure that we can do an entire another podcast on bands that had a you know decent first album and then the next album was like you know the greatest thing in the mm-hmm. world so not not everybody uh, put out appetite for destruction so no no right like and that's that's the thing right <laughs> going back to 87 that's yeah, yeah that's just it but yeah there are some good things about this album like i said it's just you know as a whole around the fur i like better yeah there you go podcast i don't know yeah um yeah the uh, you want you want the hot facts? You guys want yes, the hot please. facts? Yeah, Mike, okay, the hot here's facts. real quick here, real quick. So their first tour was opening up for Monster Magnet. Gross. Monster Magnet and Sugar Ray opened up for them. Oh, gross. when was when was that? When <laughs> was that? Because oh, I've, I've got them. This is the I found an interview with Chino, and he was this yep. is and then the next thing that he they were opened up for Kiss, and he yeah, said the, they. The entire time there was guys in the front row just giving him the finger the entire time <laughs> with yep. with kiss makeup on. And he's yes, like, I, "Yes, I know you hate us." Yeah. So you know that's yeah. Those are the only hot facts I've got on that. That's um, yeah. I I thought the kiss thing was funny. So yeah, 
Well, they they toured a lot with Corn at the start. Uh, they did a run with uh, a short run anyway with uh, White Zombie, uh, and all this was in support for Adrenaline. And they did they did a month on with Kiss on their uh, their live worldwide tour, the farewell tour part sixty. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um. <laughs> no, really. This time, no, 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 really. No, no. Wasn't really. that the we're back tour? I think they were like back, and they had been gone for like ten years or something. I saw him one time with my dad in the Coliseum, and we were sitting like way up top. Ted Nugent, Skid Row opened up, and Ted Nugent opened up. Ted Nugent was fantastic. Wow. Ted Nugent was fantastic. Um, wow. Oh my goodness, man! He was so entertaining. I like you couldn't take your eyes off him. He was just walking around with like this, like really long, like raccoon tail, and he was just like prancing around, just going like this. And then at the end of the sh- <laughs> every single, at the end of every single song, he everybody would be cheering. He'd just hold the guitar out like this, like and just like give it all up for the guitar, and then like put yep. the guitar back on. End of the show puts the guitar up on the the mantle, gets down with the flame and bow and arrow, and <laughs> lights yeah. that thing on fire, and I'm like, this is awesome. Cat <laughs> stretch fever. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stranglehold, baby. Anyway, so, yeah, and then Kiss came on. We were sitting way up, and you could feel the heat from all the – all the flash pots way up. Yeah, like in the 300 level. It was just crazy. But we, my dad and I had this thing where we wanted to see like any of those like kind of heritage acts that ever came through town. We were like, we'll go if anybody comes like that. So, you know, we went to lots of those kind of shows just because we were like, we got to do it. We got to yeah. see Kiss or we'll never see him again. But we probably could have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How so how was, I mean, obviously Kiss has like a stage show that they're notorious yeah. for right oh it was makeup kiss yeah this was like uh psycho circus like around then oh, if yeah. you remember that yeah you know like 98 kind of deal uh but oh yeah so they were wearing makeup i mean yeah it was a whole show i mean you know ace freely's guitar lights on fire and starts smoking yeah. you know gene simmons flies up to the rafters and spits blood over himself and yeah it was everybody it was Peter Chris. It was everybody. Like it was the full band. So that's kind of another reason why we went. Because if it was like you know Paul Stanley and friends, we would have been like, mm, no, you're playing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even you know I watched a Slash concert video the other day, and it, like he's just playing all the hits. It's like him and Miles Kennedy and these other guys, and they're just like banging out Velvet Revolver songs, and <laughs> and it's like. It's a little schmaltzy, man. Like it just, I don't know. But have I was thinking seen... about this too. Sorry, go ahead, man. Oh, well, this is just, anyway. Have you ever seen the clip of Slash and he's like doing a solo with Michael, like Michael Jackson? He's like on yep. the guitar for a Michael Jackson song and he won't stop soloing and Michael throws a hissy fit. It's awesome. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, I that's great. It, yeah. If you haven't seen this, it's and like Slash just fucking big smile on his face and he's just pulling out whatever 15 minute solo. It doesn't even sound good, but just to piss off Michael. And Michael is <laughs> angry. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll check that out. That's good. Uh, All right. Have you guys gotten into any of their their albums after White Pony? 
Um, not really. I, I tried listening to the next one, but I even forget what the next one was. I, so, wasn't it I, self-titled? Yeah, they're self-titled. One. Oh, yeah. I yeah, like that I one. To that one. Yeah, that one's okay. It was kind of Pink Floydy for me. Like yeah. they had the single off that was Digital Bath, I think. I'm trying to remember. Uh, was that off that one? I th- yeah, I don't recall. Anyway, I remember it came out, uh, and a friend of mine was really into them. And he was like, "Yeah, it's awesome, it's awesome." But I think that's when mm-hmm. they sort of took a different, you know, road. They they started getting a little by Pink Floydy. Mm-hmm. I mean, just sort of like uh, experimental. Yeah, and, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, yeah. I don't know. Good album. I like yeah. Board and Birthmark. Got some notes yeah. here. Especially cool. Chino's like vocals on those two songs, I think. Like I can even remember going to a party and like hearing that song and you know, it was something I didn't really hear before. Right. And um yeah. Just Chino, awesome vocalist. And uh, he does a lot of like features on other albums too that Oh, you yeah. don't even really realize it until you're like, wait a second. He has a very unique scream. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to... And that's... Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Lamb of God and... Yep. Don't have the song offhand here, but I think he makes an appearance on one of the songs and it's not in like any credits at all, but I swear to God, he's on like a... Yeah, there's a couple tracks that that are kind of sneaky tracks where you kind of think it's him, but you're not sure yeah so i mean he's got the ability to do that he kind of reminds me of like a mike Patton almost where he's got like a huge range he experiments with a lot of different styles Mm -hmm. and um that has kind of been like their brand for me like they can they can go all over the place and i think that out that self self self-titled album is just sort of like their way of exploring different things Right. You know, I think they're kind of known for doing that. So, yeah. Are they still together? Deftones? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's almost original lineup. Their, their bass player passed away, what was it, maybe, I want to say six years ago or so. Yeah. I think it was a car accident. He, uh, yeah, it's a sad story, eh? Yeah, he was awesome. And yeah. then he was in a coma for, I think it was a year no, or so. No, it was years was it more oh, than yeah, that? It was yeah. a long time. Yeah. 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 Awful. Yeah. And then so, he just passed away they, from there. Yeah. yeah. From the coma. Yeah. 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 It was, there was no recovering from that. And then they, they ended up bringing on a new, a new bass player. Uh, but other than that, I think everything's still original. They, they brought in a, uh, another guy, kind of a, a DJ type cat on Mm -hmm. what was it i think it was on around the fur i think it was no uh, i think it was after around the fur i thought it was it's funny i had one more note there too uh that Mm -hmm. that bass player wanted to be a teacher after they recorded adrenaline and they had to like call him back i'm like excuse (laughs) me like Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) they kept he he kept threatening that he was going to leave the band and go be a teacher yeah like (laughs) All right. Yeah. Just taking off. The, the only one in the band with a backup plan. <laughs> <laughs> if this doesn't work, I'm going to be a teacher. Yeah, well, 
these days yeah. it feels like you got to you know yeah. <laughs> especially those guys like i don't know how how do you survive in the music industry man like if you're you not if you're not you drake yeah if you're not you know post malone like how do you do this like you think about those nowadays small acts. it's touring only exactly yeah. touring so like you're just hoping that somebody buys a whole ton of merch off your website like you know well, even, even with that if you don't if you're on a, a big label a lot of these contracts now since since people aren't buying albums the new contracts that are coming involve a percentage of your merch too mm. so you know if you sign the wrong contract you're making next to nothing like you have to tour like mad and sell all your stuff and you know do tons of different side hustles you have to you have to pair up with a guitar company for for you know to to make a signature guitar and get profits from that uh you look at a band like periphery they're they're basically the the benchmark i guess for for how to make money as a musician and they've diversified so hard where they've got um they they've got gear deals like signature gear deals they've got uh, a, a company called get good drums that they make make and sell drum samples and things for mixing and sounds like work man like it's, <laughs> it's what happened it's to being a, a rock work. star <laughs> it's done man it's done as soon as as soon as people stop buying albums for you know 20 bucks a pop and the record industry is drowning in money yeah, like I think about like even if we had the band together these days, it would be like and trying to make a go of it. How do you do that? Like if you can't play live and you can't sell a CD, uh, well then what do you have? You know, right? Other than and that's that's t-shirts. why bands are becoming a brand more than a band, right? So yeah. you're you're establishing establish, establishing a brand. So your band name isn't just your band name it's it's all these other things that you sell and these these from from products to just time to you know online courses to all those so it's crazy mhm yeah that's interesting i got my cousin's son is in uh, a band right now which is like the heaviest band out there they're awesome yep uh wake out of calgary okay and um, hmm. I think, you know, they have sort of found their circle. Hmm. Um, they kind of represent a genre of music and um, they kind of own it, right? And um, um, yeah, so yeah. They've, they've sort of found like their little, uh, I shouldn't say little, uh, it's, you know, um, they kind of represent the grindcore scene in Calgary. Uh, it's, okay. you know, like... Cool. Um, underground but there are a lot of people interested in it they have like uh, like you said mike like a really sort of branded image uh and it's done like very well so they Mm -hmm. just uh released their second album devouring ruin check it out it's awesome um cool but um they are you know they still tour as much as much as they possibly can they're obviously not touring right now i don't Mm -hmm. think but um you know, I think it's just like yeah, they wouldn't be everything shut down. Yeah, so. I think it's just sort of sticking with your circle and like you know, uh, banding up with other groups, and you know, just making quality shows that people want to come and see. I think it's still like you've got to have mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, the, the branding is definitely necessary, but I think it's like the people you surround yourself with as well. And that's where you see like bands surviving, like, because like yeah. you said, Mike, I don't know what it would be like if, you know, we were touring right now and how that would be. Cause when we were out, we, I felt like we were so distinct from everyone else that we played with. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't sound sound like anybody yeah. else that we played but, with. So, I mean, there wasn't this sort of like um, music industry that we have now. It kind of, you know, back then we, we could get away with that sort of stuff and, you know, we could be a little bit different right. and play with bands that not, that weren't necessarily, I, I remember we had, we did one show with like a bunch of death metal guys and they wound up liking us. Yeah. And it was like, it was so great. It was, that was, yeah, awesome. it was such a great experience. And like, you get away with that stuff. And now I'm not so sure. Yeah. Like, it's got to be like, you know what? You know, you got to kind of have to stick with your own kind, I guess. But I don't know. That's just my interpretation on it. I, I rarely turned down a gig in those days, man. It would, <laughs> if anybody came forward or whatever, I would accept it, right? Like, unless it was something shady that I didn't really know about. But, like, for the most part, yeah. like, you know, it got to a point, too, where I didn't even have to call anymore. Like, my phone was starting to ring. So yeah. it was like, oh, like, you want us to do that? Okay, we'll do that. Like, oh, sorry, yep. we're booked that night. We're already playing here. <laughs> we're playing Talk, the pig. We're, we're booked Devin. for the next year. No. Oh, yeah. Talk to my agent. Yeah, it's just funny how that started working, right? But, yeah, I just, it's it's weird these days. And especially those Heritage Acts, right? Like, even those ones, even you can call Deftones a Heritage Act now, right? Like, wow, yeah. those guys mm-hmm. are not selling CDs anymore, right? They're not no. they're not selling concert tickets. So, like, how do those guys, you know, you think that they probably made enough cash back in the day, you would hope. But, like, you know, you see all those old cats coming on tour now. Rod Stewart from, you know, from him to everybody coming out of the woodwork because they're not selling you know, copies of Hotel California anymore. And, you know, the Eagles right. got to get out there. So I don't well, know. The, the big part of that too is the the big festival. So yeah. if you're going to go out and have your own headlining tour and bring out a couple guys or a couple different bands and, and try and do it that way, you're not going to make a lot. But if you can get on the really big European tours, the, the, the massive festivals, that's where they make their money, it seems. And that's that's why you see when they release the band list, the the majority of it, it over half of it is at least uh, the heritage bands, right? So, yeah, and that's all yeah. gone. So it's just yeah. like wow, yeah. you know. I had a student that um, he asked for like a couple like weeks off, and I I was like, yeah, whatever, as long as you can pass your class, it's fine. And he went on a cruise yeah. ship. And there was like, it was a metal festival on a cruise ship. So 70,000 tons of metal. Yeah. It was something like that. Right. And it was like, he's like, yo man, like Soulfly is going to be there. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's like, my dream is to meet like Max Calavera or whatever his name is. And so it's like, Cavalera, yeah, yeah. they're, yeah. they're like, you know, it's, it's, it's these sort of like gimmicky shows where you see like 20 metal bands on a cruise ship. And I think that's how these guys are, are sort of remaining <laughs> yeah. relevant. Right. Uh, I don't know who would go see yep. SoFly on their own at like whatever 
you know, bar or wherever they would be playing these days. But you put them on like a cruise I, ship with a bunch of other guys. I did. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> well, they, they 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 were they were through they were through town here a couple of years no ago way. as. Uh, yeah, uh, they they were touring. Actually, I've saw, I, I saw them twice in the past f- five years. Uh, once they came as Soulfly, and the next time they did the entire album of Nail Bomb. Wow, are you familiar with Nail oh, Bomb? For sure. Okay, so they we, Max put out an album with his band uh, Nail Bomb, and at the time they had they only recorded one album. And they only played one concert, from what I understand. And then that was it. Was Igor in that? So, uh, I don't recall. I don't recall. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was cool because he had, he had his son on drums. Okay, so. And he had, I think he had it, yeah, I think he had his, one of his sons on drums and it was either his, I think it was his nephew, either his son or his nephew on guitar no it would have been bass i think anyway so he he had family on there with him and it was it was such a rad show so i mean max he puts on a he puts on a full-on show so no doubt yeah. where were they playing uh they played Kelowna and they played vernon both the theaters no small clubs oh, nice. tiny oh, tiny wow. clubs yeah so well there you go yeah, i mean people still was, go out you know to see these shows yeah, it was it was awesome. So yeah, oh man, I saw Sepultura mm-hmm. probably twelve years ago, ten years ago in Eindhoven. Wish, wish I could. Uh, yep. Yeah, but you know what? We, me, and my friend went, and we're like, okay, we knew Max wasn't there, and we knew yep. Igor wasn't there, but they had some guy who mm-hmm. looked like Igor, and <laughs> the only original <laughs> member was the guitar player, I think. It was okay. brutal. It was it was not good, and I think like we probably wow. had to manage our expectations a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a strange thing. It wasn't Sepultura, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, they they have put out a couple <laughs> couple cool albums since Max left, but oh yeah, but yeah, definitely it's not the same thing. So, yeah. all right, that's it for episode seven. Thanks for hanging out with us. Please subscribe and comment on our YouTubes, like and share on Instagram at B-Sides and Beers Podcast, follow on Spotify, subscribe, rate and share on Apple Podcasts, pretty much every other streaming platform. Thanks a lot. Cheers.